Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Braves draw even with the Phillies behind beautiful pitching. The Dodgers can't overcome a familiar face, Manny Machado. And what Scott Service did in Game 1 is being deemed a fireable offense. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Braves pitcher Kyle Wright threw six scoreless, and the Atlanta Braves shut out the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 2 of the NLDS, giving up just three hits in a 3-0 win. Joining me now from Locked On Braves, Jake Mastriani. And and Jake, there was some talk after these first rounds of games about the rust factor and the teams with the buys not looking like, well, the teams that deserve the buys. To what degree does this performance in Game 2 put to rest in your mind those sorts of questions? Yeah, I don't think that question's ever going to go away. I think it's going to be team, team, you know, always rest versus rust. But I think more so than that, it just shows the resiliency of this Braves team who, look, they rest, rust, whatever you want to call it, did not play well in game one, but they certainly shook that off and came back in game two against a very good pitcher in Zach Wheeler who they could do nothing against for half of this game. And then finally, they did what the Phillies did in game one and got some clutch two-out hitting. In, in game one, the Phillies hung seven runs on this Braves pitching staff. Uh, when you look at how this is going to shake out the rest of the way and, and the pitching matchups here, how do you like the matchups for the Braves? I like the matchups for the Braves. A lot depends on the health of Spencer Strider, obviously, who was the Braves' most dominant pitcher throughout the regular season, and that dominant style typically plays up in the postseason. So if he's healthy, and it's sounding like he is, but there's still a question of whether you know, how long the Braves can use them in a game. But if he can go, you know, and give you three, four, hopefully five innings, and then you got Charlie Morton as well, a veteran. You know, I, I really like the Braves, you know, in the pitching matchup. Obviously, the Phillies have Aaron Nola ready to go in game three. But, you know, with the bullpen the Braves have, you know, they can cover four innings and you feel very comfortable about it. So if your starter can get you through four or five innings and he give you a lead or right there in the game, you feel really good about the Braves' chances the rest of the way. This is a Braves team coming off uh, a World Series title, and and that's uh, a nice place to be, but that is also playoff equity. Now they have to go on the road. They have to go to Philly with this series tied. What role do you think uh, that will play in trying to get some of these wins here? I think it'll play a huge role. Look, I mean, a lot of these guys played on the biggest stage you could possibly play on. You look at Kyle Wright, who pitched in Game 2, Look, he came in to game four of last year's World Series, came in in a big spot in that series, got out of a huge jam, and then went on to pitch a really good game. So these guys aren't going to be ready. The moment's not going to be too big for them. You do worry a little bit about the young guys like Michael Harris, who has struggled a little bit so far, just two games in this series. You worry a little bit about you know some of that, and even a Spencer Strider, who you know, it's been great all year, but you don't know how the postseason is going to affect him, especially he's been off for nearly three weeks now with that injury. So that's the only thing that kind of worries me. But there's so many veterans on this team, obviously their fifth straight postseason appearance. You don't really worry too much about them getting shaken in the postseason, although I'm sure it's going to be loud and crazy in Philadelphia. They'll have to fight through that, but you don't really worry about it too much with a veteran-led team who's been here before. 
Is there a flip side to this where if you're if you're playing deep into October every year, especially with some of the condensed schedules we've had with with COVID and stuff over the last three or you know couple of years, any concern for you that that just the the wear and tear of all of these high leverage moments could could create some fatigue as the season and the postseason wears on? Yeah, that's been one of my biggest concerns really all year for the Braves. And you saw, you know, they got off to a slow start and you thought, okay, maybe they were having a little bit of a hangover and then they turned things on. But now here we are at the end of the year. Max Free doesn't look like himself. His velocity was way down in game one, whether that's from fatigue or he still was battling that illness, the flu uh, stomach bug that he had. And Kyle Wright's had arm fatigue late in the year as well. They've had to skip him a couple of times. You got Strider dealing with an oblique. You got Charlie Morton, who broke a leg in the World Series last year, uh, you know, is coming off of that and just hasn't really looked like himself this season. So that was one of my main concerns coming into the year is the fatigue factor, mostly on the pitching side of things. Um, I do worry about a little bit for the position players because Braves position players play a ton. Dansby Swanson, Matt Olson, the only players to play in all 162 games, and they struggle a little bit down the stretch. Matt Olson's gotten going here in the postseason. So I, I do worry about that a little bit, fatigue. But look, it's the postseason. If you can't get up for these games and shake off whatever fatigue you have, then what are you doing here? Stay up to date all postseason on the Atlanta Braves by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Braves podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, more than 20 games may have separated the Dodgers and Padres in the regular season, but none of that matters in the postseason. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today, and with good reason. It is a terrific app for your fantasy leagues. I use it in my fantasy leagues. And they've got even more features, including their new over-unders game integrated right into the fantasy interface. So while you're checking those waiver wire claims, while you're building those trades, you just click over and you can enter their over-under contest, which is so easy. Pick a sport, pick a couple players, and then look at their projections. Pick the over or the under. You take rushing yards in football or points in basketball. Pick the amount of money you want to win. They'll give you some odds, and you can win between two times and over 20 times the money you put in. Plus, it's in an app you're already using or should be using. If you don't use Sleeper for your fantasy leagues, why not? It is the most user-friendly interface we have. Plus, I'll give you an even bigger incentive. Join our listener group at sleeper.com slash locked on today. And sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Go to sleeper.com slash locked on today and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Kind of sounds like OBJ is about to return to the Rams. Or at least that's not far off. Wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. tweeted Wednesday that the contract offer the Los Angeles Rams made to him wasn't reflective of his worth. Rams head coach Sean McVay indicated he didn't think this would be the team's final offer. McVay said, I love Odell. We have constant dialogue. He also knows that certainly I don't think that's the last that would come from us. I'm not familiar with what it is. He knows how we feel about him. We've got a little bit of time. The Rams still have a nameplate in the locker room of their practice facility for Beckham. The Rams have not been quiet about their desire for Beckham's return. In September, during a news conference, quarterback Jalen Ramsey brought up the receiver in one of his answers and then paused to say, Odell, come back. 
Speaking of wide receivers, Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams has been cited for shoving a credentialed media worker after Monday's loss in Kansas City to the Chiefs. Adams was cited for an intentional overt act that inflicted bodily injury, according to court records released on Wednesday. The man shoved by Adams, identified by police as Ryan Zebley, apparently, and I say that because we don't know for sure, suffered whiplash, a headache, and possible minor concussion from the incident, according to records. Zebley was working for ESPN's Monday Night Football as a freelance photographer. If convicted, Adams could face a jail term of up to six months or a fine of up to $1,000. Zion Williamson and injuries. Stop if you've heard this before. Well, the story continues. Zion left Wednesday night's 120-103 preseason loss to the Miami Heat with left ankle soreness. Reports are the Pelicans star avoided any serious injury, but his status is now day-to-day. New Orleans coach Willie Green said the team does not expect Williamson to miss an extended period of time, but this would not be the first time that they have been a little dodgy with injury timelines when it comes to Zion. Warriors forward Draymond Green will rejoin the team today. Green has been away from the team since an altercation with teammate Jordan Poole last Wednesday. And when I say altercation, I mean Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face. We saw the video. He's been fined but was not suspended, though it was considered. This is the biggest crisis we've had since I've been the coach here, head coach Steve Kerr said. Kerr also said he expects Green to play in the Warriors' final preseason game on Friday, and he will also be available on opening night, October 18th. Poole had several meetings with Kerr in the front office and met with Green. Kerr said Poole is willing to move forward and willing to get back out on the floor with Draymond and go to work. The Miami Dolphins are getting serious. On the heels of a two-game losing streak, team captains including Tyreek Hill, Taron Armstead, Xavier Howard, and Landon Roberts, and Javon Holland decided the Dolphins locker room no longer needed a ping-pong table at its center. Coach Mike McDaniel said he was pretty pumped about the decision, not necessarily because he thought the table should be removed, but because it was an example of his captains taking ownership of the team, something he said he challenges them to do as leaders. It's worth adding here to Otunga Vailoa, who has been out the last two weeks, actually did some work at practice yesterday. Here is another story you need to know. 22 games separated the San Diego Padres and the LA Dodgers. And when the Dodgers convincingly won game one, it felt that way. But the San Diego Padres come back in game two. They take it five to three in a game that involved a goose on the field. There was a lot of weird stuff that went down. Joining me now from Locked On Dodgers, Jeff Snyder. And Jeff, what was the biggest difference for whether it was the Padres or the Dodgers from game one to game two that changed so much? Well, I'm tempted to say the biggest difference is that you didn't have me on to talk about when the Dodgers won. You just want to see me miserable here on this show. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was obviously the biggest difference was that the Padres had you Darvish pitching instead of Mike Clevenger, uh, you know, a good pitcher instead of a bad pitcher will make a big difference. Uh, the Dodgers starting pitching was very similar and their bullpen wasn't quite as lights out. Although, you know, Bruce Argrattle gets a loss after allowing an unearned run, uh, which is kind of lousy. And then a solo Homer to add on an insurance run that, you know, there, there were some very good things. The Dodgers saw Yancy Almonte and, and Tommy Canley were both filthy out of the bullpen. But, you know, ultimately what it boiled down to was the Dodgers were 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. They had a lot of opportunities to score. 
and they didn't get it done. They had uh, runners on first and third and nobody out and, and couldn't get out of it. They had runners on second and third and one out and couldn't get a run in. And so, you know, you can't miss that many opportunities. You got to give credit to the Padres pitchers. You know, you Darvish was very good. Robert Suarez was very good. Josh Hader was very good. Uh, and, and so you, you give credit to their pitchers, but ultimately the Dodgers offense uh, wasn't as good today. The, the one bright side is you mentioned uh, the, the Dodgers finished 22 games ahead of the Padres. The, the teams played 19 times in the regular season. The Dodgers won 14 of them which mm. if you do the math is about the same winning percentage as if they win three out of four in this series, which is still what I expect to happen. And so, you know, five times this year, the Padres beat the Dodgers during the regular season. And we sat there thinking, how did that happen? They're not as good a team. And I think that's what we're seeing here. The, uh, the worst team beat the better team. And hopefully we're going to see the better team win the next two games. Yeah. The, the Dodgers had the number one offense in baseball this season by runs scored. In fact, they had over 50 runs more scored than the next closest National League team, which was the Braves, um, but but only managed three in this game. To what degree does a game like this give you some pause about this lineup in the postseason? Not much. Uh, one of the good things about leaving a bunch of guys in, runner sh- in scoring position is that you had a bunch of guys in scoring position. Right. And, you know, they, they had one inning where uh, it was – let's see Trey Turner when they had second and third and, and one out Trey Turner hits a ground out and then Will Smith hits a deep fly out. And if you flip the order on those, the fly out's a sack fly, but unfortunately the fly out came with two outs. And so, you know, it's the, the concept of cluster luck is very real in baseball. Sometimes the hits bunch together and sometimes they don't. And tonight was very frustrating because the hits didn't bunch together but it's still, in my opinion, a pretty darn good sign that the Dodgers hit three homers off you, Darvish, got that many guys in scoring position. And I think most of the time, if the Dodgers have those opportunities, I think most of the time this game exactly the same way would be a five or six run game for the Dodgers offense. For those so inclined, there will be people who say, well, Clayton Kershaw only won five, gave up three earned. It's a 5.4 ERA. If you're the kind of person that cares about single game ERA, I'm not one of those kinds of people. I'm not going to make that case, but to what would you, what would you say to those people about this game? You know, I said this morning on locked on Dodgers, actually talking about Julio Urias in game one, I said, if the Dodgers hadn't scored five runs on Mike Clevenger, we'd be talking about, wow, Julio picked a bad time to have his first bad start in a while. And Julio and Clint Kershaw had the exact same line, five, Mm. five innings, three runs. And uh, the difference is Julio got a win. Kershaw got a no decision. Uh, It was Clayton Kershaw is a very good pitcher and he's been very good many times in the postseason. He's had a couple notable clunkers. He had one clunker that it turned out the other team was cheating the whole time. I don't know if you heard about that, (laughs) Uh, but you know, I heard something about that. Uh The fact is, yeah, Clayton Kershaw is a very good pitcher and sometimes very good pitchers give up three runs of five innings. and get a no decision, even, even in the postseason. Stay up to date all postseason on the Los Angeles Dodgers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Dodgers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, what the Mariners manager did in game one is something he should be fired for? The Seattle Mariners made the postseason for the first time in 21 years and even managed to advance to the ALDS. After a monumental collapse in game one, though, it would seem there are some who are still 
not happy. Locked on Mariners host Tyden Gonzalez and Kobe Patnode vehemently disagree with the moves Scott Service made in the ninth and have quite the recourse in mind. You go with Seawald, who gave up four earned runs on Saturday against the Blue Jays. This has been overall shaky lately. And then, you know, he gives up a couple base runners. You get to Jordan Alvarez, and you go to Robbie Ray. And this, to me, Colby, was Scott Service's John Schneider moment. This was ignoring the scouting report. This was bringing the uh, taking out Gossman, bringing in the lefty to face Carlos Santana, flipping him to the right side. This was that for Scott Service because going into this game, Jordan Alvarez was hitting 833 against Robbie Ray in 2022, and on top of that, he was he had posted a 183 WRC plus against left-handed pitchers. This was I I understand what Scott Service was trying to do. I don't agree with it at all. Because clearly he thought what he thought he was doing was trying to, you know, win a win a game, get weird with it. But all he was doing was just getting really weird with it for really no reason whatsoever, because it doesn't make sense. It goes against the scouting report. Colby, what the heck, man? What Scott Service did today is a fireable offense. I'm not saying they should fire Scott Service. But if John Stanton walked into the hotel tomorrow and said, you're fired, I would back him up on it. It was that bad. It is that moronic. These are the stakes. Even if you haven't made the playoffs in two decades, the expectation is to not do dumb things or at least not do things that cause catastrophic failures for your teams. You are not going to get a pass if you're a player, if you're a general manager, if you're the, the team's doctor, if you're the, if you're the greenskeeper, you are not going to get a pass just because a team like the Mariners has not been in the postseason in a long time. You have to do your job or you are going to face the scrutiny of a fan base. In fact, in a lot of ways, there's even more pressure on these players, on the coaches, on everyone involved in a team like the Seattle to do the best by this season because it's been so long. There's added pressure because they don't know when they're going to be back again because any fan long enough to remember the last time this team was in the postseason knows nothing is guaranteed. They don't know. They can't know when this team is going to be back in the postseason. So these sorts of mistakes, such that they are, are amplified. They're magnified by this moment when the elation of not only making it to the postseason, but then doing what the Mariners did to get to this point in the postseason is only going to add pressure to perform. And anyone that doesn't perform up to that standard is going to face this kind of criticism anytime that happens. And finally, picture this. One of the most intimidating pitchers in baseball history is the man telling you to say cheese. Randy Johnson, a.k.a. the big unit, is a photographer. And not just any photographer. You can see him as a freelancer at NFL games or maybe even at concerts. Though I imagine if you stand behind him at a concert, you probably won't see much of the stage. Probably the best part about this is he has a logo for his photography company. And it satirizes the bird he obliterated with a fastball. Once upon a time, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just search 
Randy Johnson bird, and it will be something you never forget. That's for sure. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen coming up on tomorrow's show. Are we going to feel better about Justin Fields? I mean, like ever. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.